You're listening to sermon audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com. Thanks for listening, and we trust that this teaching will grow you in following the way of Jesus. Good morning, church, and welcome once again. You know, I love the way that story about King Josiah ends there. It says that he turned to the Lord with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his strength. And that points to our focus today, growing in our relationship with God, with all of our hearts and with all of our soul and with all of our strength. You know, it, it feels a little bit strange because week in and week out now, we're preaching to cameras. And so there's no one physically here. And yet I know that people will be or are watching. And, and yet I'm preaching to a camera in the midst of it. And so I'm praying that this is going to be as authentic as possible. And that's really what we're trying to be is in the midst of, of a situation that isn't ideal. Hopefully this is authentic and praying that the Holy Spirit is going to work through this. So it seems to me that, um, and, and to others, that in this um, pandemic, there's three sort of main categories that the majority of people find themselves in two of which are on opposite ends of the spectrum. On one end, you have those that maybe have lots of free time right now. They, they don't have kids. They don't have kids uh, that are in school or they've been laid off from work, hospita- hospitality jobs, and yet they're feeling cooped up. They're, they're restricted. And maybe they're thinking like, you know, I just, I, I got to get through this. I just, I want my life back. And then on the other end, you have people who hardly have any free time. In fact, everything has ramped up because of kids at home, because of schooling at home, because of increased job expectations and new um, job responsibilities. I mean, some people have completely new job descriptions that they're operating out of now because of this. And so they're feeling overwhelmed. This group is feeling exhausted restrictions make grocery grocery shopping like two to three times longer so everything it just feels takes longer and there's less time and then there's a third category where for some life is fairly normal work hasn't been affected much they're still doing largely the same thing they've always done they don't have kids at home and so schedules and responsibilities largely are the same and, and life responsibilities have stayed consistent. The commonality, though, is that we, we all still have felt the life change that this has brought about and that this pandemic has caused. To varying degrees, yes, but we're still all affected. And we don't know where the end of this will be, how this will all end, out, end up or, or play out. And, and a significant hurdle is that we're largely used to in our lives consistency and self-autonomy and those two things have been removed and and so normally really when we when we're honest we do what we want when we want largely in our lives and now there's varying levels of uncertainty and unsettledness in all of us and how are we responding to all of this what what lens are we looking through Andy Crouch, he's a former editor of Christianity Today. He's now with a group called Praxis in New York City. They're a group that helps uh, entrepreneurials uh, and, and small businesses and sort of 
uh, working with business practices to bring the redemptive work of Christ into the marketplace. And he wrote a paper along with two others from this group in late March about how people generally are responding to the coronavirus. And so really the, the paper was, was asking the question, how do we see it? What is our view? What reality are we operating out of during this time? And so they used the metaphor of weather and there's a fascinating uh, paper that they wrote and they said that the prevailing view that many people are taking right now is the blizzard view. And you know, so we're treating this crisis as a blizzard, acknowledging that things are very difficult and that there's a need to provide emotional and practical support for the immediate needs that people have right now. And people are being urged to take extraordinary measures that would be completely unthinkable in ordinary times, but and, and they're unsustainable for long periods of time. But we're being asked to take it take them because the view that people have is, well, we're in the midst of a blizzard and we just, we got to get through this. And so if the crisis that is COVID-19 is a blizzard, it, it, the view is that it'll, it'll be over soon. We'll all emerge from our shelter and resume life roughly the way that it was before. And our, so our job is like a blizzard is to just wait it out. The problem is that hardly anyone in the public health sector actually believes that this is the best way to view what's happening. In fact, they, a lot of them would say more, we should look at what's happening right now in view of a winter. And so winter might begin with a blizzard, yes, or there may be blizzards throughout a winter, but it's a season lasting months. It's not a single event. And in cold climates, you have periodic uh, events, acute events like blizzards that are part of this continuous activity of winter and human activity during this time has to adapt to conditions that are very different. We live differently in winter than we do in another season. And so even and in winter, like, like in, in the climates, there's regional variation about what's going on. And we see that with the coronavirus. And so in this view, as the curve flattens, there's going to be extreme pressure on officials to lift restrictions and we're facing that and we're seeing that right now that in itself is difficult there's all sorts of opinions being bantered about about that and and we should be preparing for a winter where they're saying many aspects of society are going to be reconfigured even because even in mild winter weeks in winter it's vastly different than what summer is or even what spring is right and so we have to look at it like that. But there's a third reality they mentioned in this paper that they said we need to consider and yet we need to pray that God and his mercy will not allow to be significant. But that, that is, they, they talked about the year 1816, which was known actually as a year without a summer. There was a volcanic eruption in Indonesia and it sent a bunch of ash uh, into the atmosphere and it actually changed solar radiation that year. Crops in the Western Hemisphere didn't produce. Uh, there was extremely cold temperatures, record cold temperatures. There was frost uh, in the middle of summer and freezing weather. And so it, be, it was known as the year without a summer. And it lasted a lot longer than even just a season. And so 
there's larger events like this that can happen in the world that reshape climate actually through successive seasons. And what they were saying in this paper is that COVID-19 might actually be like that. The best estimates right now are they're saying it's going to be at least 18 months before there's a vaccine developed. And, and we're praying that that's that even in that time period that it can be done. But 18 months is not a season. 18 months is like an age it's, or like an era. I mean, short, but it's still, it's significantly longer than a season, especially for younger generations who look at time differently. And beyond the, beyond the virus right now, the economic and the political impact that this is going to bring on the world, we, we actually really don't know where that's all going to go. It's unknown. It's already resulting in serious problems in the third world. There's, there's famine that's already beginning and there's, there's lots of economic and political fallout to come. And because of trade and technology, the world is more connected than ever. And so we will bear this together in the world. And, and so in saying all this, my intent is not to spur pessimism or discouragement into us, no. But rather that we would live in reality and knowing that in the midst of it, we have the most glorious hope to cling to while asking. And this is where I, I want to sort of camp today for our time is asking God, what significant growth do you want to bring in me through this time? The end of his message last week, Matt, he said a, a phrase, he, he said a sentence that, I, that caught me right away when he said it and I wrote it down uh, when I was taking notes and he said, God wants to reinvigorate us during this season so that we have a totally new trajectory in life. And when I heard that, I was like, yes. And, and then, so we had a pastor's meeting in the middle of this week and, and we were meeting together and going through some material and, and talking about what's happening and going on. And the comment was made right at the beginning, what trajectory are we going to come out of this on? And I, and I wrote it down and, I, and the Lord immediately brought to mind what Matt has said at the end. And I love trajectory. Those of you who know, you, know me, you might know I, I like that word. I like the picture of it. And this thing of what trajectory are we on and are we going on and coming out of this, I think is so significant. In, in grade 10, I was all of five foot two and uh, thin as a rail. So way thinner than even this, if, if that's possible. But there was, I remember in grade 10 having a serious concern about like, where am I going to end up in height? Like, I, I was not growing. I mean, the little bit that I was growing, it was minuscule. And I was like five foot two in grade 10, folks, is that short, like short. And so it was a cause for anxiety and worry in my life that there was a significant size gap between me and my peers and and every year it was growing larger and and so there was there were social issues because of that and so but between the summer of grade 10 and grade 11 i went from 52 to 58 in a matter of like probably 2 to 3 months in that time frame and it was significant i remember coming back to school and like my social world changed my, and my outlook was changed and my day-to-day -day life in school was changed simply because I had gained six inches. And 
So all of a sudden, I felt like I had hope. I had expectation. That I had renewed confidence due to this growth spurt. But this growth spurt also included a, a ton of pain. Growing six inches in two to three months brings significant growth pains. It is painful and it's real. And so I want to talk this morning about being prepared for a growth spurt during this time. And I, and I want to ask the question, are you preparing yourself for a growth spurt? During this time, are you looking at what God wants to do in you and how he wants to grow you with your spouse, with your kids, in your relationships, with your family, with Jesus? Where and how is God speaking to you about growth? And if our outlook and our prayers are directed by sort of a view of, I just want to get past this. I just, I want to just get through this. I, I, I just, I really just want to get back to normal. Like God, just get us back to normal. I just want things the way they've always been. If that's our prayer and our hope, I believe that we are missing out on an incredible thing that God wants to do in our lives to bring us into a place of renewal and growth. And I believe that if that's the view that we have, of I just, I want to hunker down. I want to get through this blizzard. I want to get through this winter and somehow just make it out and I'll hibernate in the interim. I think that would be tragic. And so I want to look at Philippians 1 this morning around this question and around the question of growth and are you preparing for growth and what God wants to do in you. So I want to, before we get into the text, I want to set the scene for us a little bit, if you will. Paul is, he's in prison when he writes this, likely in Rome, uh, where we read of that in the end of Acts, Acts 27 and Acts 28. And it's not an easy situation that he's in. He's, he's shackled, he's restricted, he wouldn't have been writing this himself. In fact, he would have had to have dictated it to someone to write for him. He didn't have freedom of movement. He's got loss of control in his life. The future for Paul is extremely uncertain. He's, he's already at this point when he wrote Philippians, been imprisoned for a few years. But God has led Paul into this time, and we know this from what we read in Acts, in Acts 23, 11, God said to Paul, he said, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you shall also testify about me in Rome. And there was lots of stuff that happened in the interim of what led Paul to Rome and, you know, unfortunate circumstances. He was almost killed by the Jewish religious leaders. They were hatching a plot to kill him. And at one point, it had been said that he could have been set free, actually, but he had appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen. And so all this stuff is swirling, and it had wound up that he's now in prison, and, and his life has been turned upside down. And at the end of Philippians, after writing it, right at the end of the letter, he says to the, to the church, he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So I want to go through some of Philippians 1 this morning, asking a question out of that, where Paul says, put into practice these things. Everything you've seen and heard from me, put into practice. What practices does Jesus want to grow in me during this time that will lead to habits 
being formed in me as we come out of this time, whenever that will be, what does God want to form in me that he wants me to partner with him in during this time? And the promise there that when Paul says these to the, to the church, put these things into practice, he says, and, and the peace of God will be with you. God's peace and his presence, that promise amongst other great things that he wants to do in us will be present. And so I want to frame this question this morning around four ways that we can grow that we find in Philippians 1. And so let's, uh, actually, you know, before we, before we go any further, let's, let's just pray and let's, let's commit this to the Lord together. Father, we are so grateful that you are a good father, that you are working for our good, that Lord, in the midst of a trying season with so much uncertainty and so many questions, Lord, and lots of things swirling, we can trust you and we know that. And so, Lord, I'm asking that as we dig into your word this morning, the words of God for us this morning, Lord, that it would open up our hearts, that it would reinvigorate our hearts, that it would open up our minds, that we'd be filled with wonder at what you want to do. And Lord, that we'd be spurred to obedience, to passion, to commitment, to live for you and for the growth that you want to bring in us. And Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read Philippians 1, verses 9 to 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so the first way that we see here that we can grow is we can grow our character through Jesus. You can grow your character through Jesus. And it's because verse 11 says that it comes through Jesus Christ. Paul, he's, he's praying here for the growth, this growth in the people. He's, he's saying like he's praying for what you practice, what you've received and heard in this. And so he says, verse 9, he prays that their love may abound, meaning that it would be excessive, that it would be abundant, more and more with knowledge and all discernment, that, that they would have wisdom, understanding, personal awareness. How am I doing? That's all that's wrapped up there in having discernment. And then he, and, and he connects these. He says, so that. So there's the, the connection for us. He says, so that you may approve what is excellent. What is, what is valuable? What really matters in your life according to Scripture? What really matters according to what the Word says here for us? So that we would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. Meaning that we wouldn't be stumbling. That there would be motivation for growth and change in our lives. That we would be wanting to pursue that as we're growing in Christ as we're walking with him, that there's this, we have this perspective of, I just want to grow to be becoming more and more like Jesus. And then he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness. And that means being fulfilled or that this would be accomplished in you, that there would be this, this fruit in our lives as a result of righteousness 
that, com- that comes as a, result, as a result of being filled more and more with Jesus. That there'd be this, this and it would be accomplished in our lives, that we'd, we'd have stuff operating on us, fruit. There'd be evidence of what God is doing in us. And so what we see, what, what really is being broken down here is this is about character growth. Paul's, Paul's talking about character growth in the people, that their characters would be being changed. Colossians 3, 9 and 10, it talks about putting off the old self and its practices, Paul says. Put on the new self, he says, rather, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of your creator. Who's our creator? It's, it's Jesus. He's the one. And then in Galatians 4, 19, Paul speaks of his anguish there to the church. He says, until Christ is formed in you, this thing of, of the, the, the presence of Jesus and his work and his character and who he is would be evident in us. And then in Ephesians 4.13, he speaks about growth and spiritual maturity, that we'd be coming into everything available to us when it comes to the fullness of Jesus. And so this all has to begin somewhere in our lives. It, it, there, there's, a, there's a starting point to this taking place in your life. Because life in Christ, it involves growth and transformation. It, it can't not. If we're, going to, if we're in Christ, if we're following Christ, the call is, I'm becoming more, more like Jesus. And so there's evidence of growth and transformation. So what, what are you experiencing right now? Like right now, in your day-to-day life, right now, what's, what's going on? What are you walking through? What are you battling? What are you maybe even ignoring? You, do, you, don't, you just would rather stuff it down. I don't, I don't want to go there. What, what is that stuff that God wants to redeem to bring growth in your character in this time? We, we have more time at home. A lot of us have, have more time at home. What, what does that bring up in your character that God is inviting you to pursue growth in because there's relationships and in relationships there's friction and there's rubbing and there's the revealing of heart postures and all, all that stuff, right? Like I, I'm, yesterday I'm, I'm working on this message and I'm, I'm in this text all day. I'm studying it. I'm prepping. I'm, I'm writing. I'm thinking. I'm praying. And so I'm immersed in this and you're like, this is glorious stuff and I'm, and I'm in it. And then I come home and one of my kids does something that tests my patience. And my response in that moment reveals, Paul, that's a character issue that you need to deal with. And right away, your attitude, your heart posture is a character issue. And that happens all the time. And so the question that God is putting before us is, where do we need to grow? Where do we need to put these things into practice? What we've heard, what we've seen in this. Let's read verses 12 to 14. And I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word 
without fear. And so the second way that we have opportunity to grow right now is to grow your witness for Jesus. Don't forget who we as the church are called to be. We are called to be ambassadors, every single one of us. We are ambassadors on mission. We are to be making disciples, seeking to make disciples, seeking to cultivate that. Every, in every situation, in every season, there's an opportunity to grow your witness for Jesus. That's the way that Paul looked at it. It didn't matter what was happening in his life. doesn't matter where he was. This was an opportunity for me to serve the gospel. And so I want to ask you, what, is, what does God want to stir in you these days that will grow your witness for Jesus? And in verse 12, we see there that Paul he wasn't timid about why he was in prison. He didn't try to hide it. He wasn't just trying to get by. He was, he was bold. I'm in prison because of Jesus. I'm in prison because of what I believe and what I'm following when it comes to Christ. It, you know, it's, it's, when you read these verses, you realize his focus was not on his situation. He was wrongly accused and, and he, could have, he could have been looking and going, why, why am I in this predicament? Why, why am I here? Why was I put here? Why do I have to be here? Why do we have to be right now in this season? Why, why do I have to be in the middle of this pandemic? Why do I have to be restricted? And yet his focus was on reaching others for the gospel. There's a purpose in every season. And so if we follow Christ, we should be viewing and assessing this pandemic very differently than the world around us. We're not, we're not just trying to hunker down and survive this ordeal and just trying to somehow get through and, and binging on all sorts of, of streaming services and, and binging on social media and, and binging on things that we, we just consume our time with, with online stuff. No, that's, that's not the call. We're not to become self-absorbed either during this time. In verse 14, we see that Paul's example here, actually the way that he was walking through this, the way he was handling this situation, it grew boldness in others. The, the church that were seeing this, the church around him who were serving him and seeing how he was walking through this time in prison, they were full, they were emboldened to preach the gospel. Well, we see how Paul's responding we're, we're going to follow his example. They spoke the word, it says, without fear. There was growth in gospel witness. And when I think about that, you know, what, what mainly restricts our witness? What's probably the biggest thing that restricts our witness in our lives? It's fear. And so I want to ask a question for us. What does God want to grow in you when it comes to bold, fearless gospel witness in your life? What is, where does he want to grow? What opportunities to gospel witness has God actually been prepared for you? In Ephesians 2.10 says that he prepared good works beforehand for us to walk in. What gospel opportunities does God right now, is he sowing let's, for let's you go on in that the he text. is inviting Verses you to step 19. into and Prepare for, I know that through your prayers during and the help time. of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. 
as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, this that means fruitful labor for me. The next two ways that we can grow, the final two ways that I want to touch on this morning, are the foundation to grow in the first two. This is what will feed your personal growth, your character growth, your, the character stuff in you, and your gospel witness, the desire and the motivation for growth. And so that is the third way we can grow, is grow your devotion to Jesus. What Paul talks about here is, is really it's talking about being surrendered to Jesus. He talks about Jesus being honored in his body. Jesus, that we would honor him in our bodies. Remember, we don't have a body. We are a body. And so what Paul's talking about there is in every way that we live, in how we think, in how we react, while on this earth, he says, and even in death, that in all those things, I, I would honor Christ. Nothing is held back, is what Paul's saying. For me to live is Christ. That, that statement is it's profound, and yet it's so clear that to live is Christ. Life in the flesh, on this earth, he's, we're seeking for fruit in our lives as we're living in the flesh. So verse, verse 11, there's this seeking the increase of Jesus in our lives and in the lives of others. It's, what Paul's saying here is that, that pursuit, it's a worthy pursuit in life. And, and right now, we, we have the removal of tons of pleasure and distractions in, in our society that, that normally we put a lot of effort into, a lot of time, a lot of stuff that we watch, a lot of stuff that we go and do. And there's been just loads of it that have been taken away. But the removal of distraction, that's not the issue for us. The, the flesh, it will always find new obsessions. What we need, what Paul's talking about here is, what we need is we need our hearts changed. We, we need to live by the, the Spirit. We, we need the help of the Spirit of Jesus in our lives. This, this, in verse 19, we see that this is about prayer and this is about the ministry, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so growth in prayer. And, and Paul, he speaks about prayer here. He's, at first, he's praying for the church earlier in what we read. And now he's, he's asking, seeking their prayer for him. And so prayer is just saturating. And, and it does through it all of what Paul writes. And, and as he writes, he's praying. But it, prayer saturates his, his words. And so this thing of prayer and communion with the Father is of massive importance. When it comes to growth and this new trajectory that we're talking about in our lives, prayer is at the forefront of this. And so, and we're, we're feeling that in these days, that there's this, 
this invitation to a move of prayer right now. And how can there not be when prayer is about relationship and communion with the Father? It's, it's the way that the church grows together. The early church was called to prayer. And so we, we feel that there's a move of prayer that is part of this invitation to growth in our lives. And so I want to invite you to be part of that. that this is a, a practical invitation. Come and join us Wednesdays, nine o'clock. It's not just an event. This is a move to invest in prayer in our lives. And you might say, well, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable praying with others. Come, just partake. Don't, you, don't, you can sit there and just partake and be present with us in the body as we pray. But it's about growth in prayer. And what, what does God want to do in you in that? So what else does, does growing devotion to Jesus look like? What, what practices does this entail in our lives? Well, it, it, practically, it's about being in the Word. It's, it's about prayer, both corporate. It's about prayer, communion with the Lord in our quiet time. It's intentional quiet time with the Lord. And if you're, if you're, you know, if you're wondering, well, what does that all look like? Well, again, go and listen to Matt's sermon again last week. He talked at length about hearing from the Lord and what that looks like. It's inviting God to speak into our lives, getting into Scripture, meditating on Scripture. And there's, there's another way that you can do that. I, I would encourage you, uh, listen to our Following the Way devotional that we're putting out now. It's a great way, a short devotional uh, that we're putting out multiple times every week where it gets you into Scripture and thinking and meditating on particular Scripture. But this, this is all intentional. This is all going to take effort. It, it will mean giving up something to make the time for the majority of us because we don't have tons of time right now, but, but it's, it's being intentional. But you cannot make do without this church. You need this. You need living water in your life so desperately. If we are going to come through this time with a trajectory of growth into Christ, you need living water daily. I want to read verse 27 to 30. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. I think to encapsulate this, one way that we could do this is say this is about growth and growing your dependence on Jesus. You know, in some ways, we've been very fortunate in this region when we look at COVID-19 and what's happened. We've, we've had a low rate of infection. We've had a low rate of spread. Our, our provincial officials have done a good job in managing this. In fact, they, they have said um, to those that they, they see and believe that prayer has been part of that in our region. But, you know, we're not facing and having to deal with this crisis like other regions are. We've, we've been fortunate in that regard. But the danger is that, and, and it's a tragedy if this is what results, 
is that we, in this, through this time and through this season or era or whatever it's going to be, whatever length of time, is that we don't learn to have a much greater need of dependence on Jesus. Because we have great need for, great need for renewal in our lives with Jesus. We have great need for that. Verse 27 says, Let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That, that manner, what, what it means is this conduct, uh, the conduct of our life, how, how you lead your life. Let that be worthy of the gospel, how you're conducting, how you're living, that it would point to the gospel being, growing you and, and taking you into Christ in your life. And in the Greek, there's this idea here, uh, this, this worthiness of being a worthy citizen. And this picture, that's the picture that Paul's using here, which is really interesting because honoring governmental authority and responsible citizenship, we, we get that right now. We, we really understand that right now. We're, we're taking recommendations and the lead that our government is, is directing us and we're taking that seriously. Now, consider that, how we're behaving as responsible citizens in our country. And think about now the truth that you are a citizen of the gospel of Christ to God's kingdom. And that, that even, as much as we're called to be responsible citizens and honor and pray and respect our government leaders and submit to their authority and all that, above that even, you are a citizen to the gospel of Christ. It's even above that. So all the things that you're doing and listening to right now and, and being a good responsible citizen, consider now your responsibility as a citizen of the gospel to the kingdom of Jesus. Consider how our current situation that we're walking through right now informs us as, our, as followers of Christ and how we walk and how we live and, and how we regard the importance of what God says to us. And so Paul says here, he's, he's saying to the people, I, I want to see when I come and see, if I get to come and see, if, I, if God delivers me from prison, I want, or, or if, even if I don't, he's up, but I want to hear and see that you're standing firm in one spirit, that you're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, Verse 27 is not entirely feasible right now for us. Not, not physically. We can't be physically doing this side by side. But what does God want to prepare us for in this time? That coming out of this, that we would read this and go, Oh, I see this in a totally new way. I, this is what God's been doing in me. And we, as the church, we're going to come out of this on a trajectory that is entirely different than where we were before. Do, is, that, is that possible? Is that something that we're praying for and that we're desiring? Not, not being fearful or frightened by any opposition. Whoa, like what a thought. Ready to suffer for the sake of Jesus and the gospel because to live is Christ, period. Everything else that I do in my life informs that, to live is Christ. Verse 30, Paul is saying, be, be ready to live the way that I lived. And so he's pointing them again. Remember what he says at the end? He says, practice what you've heard and seen and, and witnessed in me. Bold, fearless faith. 
passion for the lost, total surrender to Jesus. That, that encapsulated who Paul was. And so, what, is, what does this look like for us right now? In, in this time that we're in, what does it look like? What is it pursuing this growth, getting ready for a growth spurt? What does it look like? Listening to Jesus. Hearing what he's saying to you about living for his gospel, living for his glory. Paul talks about that in some of the verses here in Philippians when we didn't read. But, and, and living for the expansion of his kingdom. Living for the gospel. And that it would, it would go forth. Listening to Jesus about that. Journaling. Spending time with him. Engaging your heart. What's going on in me? What, what does God want to do in me that's going to put me on a trajectory to a growth spurt. And, and in a growth spurt, remember, there's even in a growth spurt, there is pain. It's actually a, 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 a huge growth spurt brings pain. But the end result is so good. Paul began this letter right at the beginning of Philippians 1. I think it's verse, verse 6. He says, he states his confidence that the work that God had begun, the work that God was doing in the people, would be brought to completion. God at work in us as we pursue him and this growth in our lives. What, what does that look like? And what we can have confidence that God, what, what God has begun in you during this time, he's going to bring it He's going to bring it to completion or he's going to begin something that is taking you on to a new trajectory. We're going to have an opportunity here in just a, a couple moments to worship, declaring, and we're, we're going to sing and we're going to declare that we are building our life upon Jesus, which I think goes hand in hand with what we've, we're reading here in Philippians 1. But I want, to, I want to end by putting three questions before you that um, I heard this week as I was talking with other pastors and this was discussed and I thought, well, this, this is so helpful to assess how I'm doing and, and hopefully you find that this is helpful for you as, as application for your life. And, and I want to encourage you to spend time with Jesus this week asking him these specific questions. I'd encourage you, I'm going to do this too, that, that I'm going to put these questions before the Lord and then I'm going to listen and hear what he's saying to me and write down what the Lord is speaking to me as an assessment of how I'm doing during this time. First one is, am I growing in fellowship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit? The second one is, am I generous? Am I generous as a person, meaning with my, with my money, with, but with my time as well, with my words, with my affections. Am I a generous person and am I growing in that generosity? And then the third question is, am I reaching out to others? Am I, am I looking for ways to reach out? And am I looking for, even in the midst of this where we are physically distanced, am I looking for ways that I can reach out and how God wants to grow me in that? Let's, let's pray together. Father, I, I again, I want to thank you for the truth of your word. I want to thank you for these words in Philippians. And just 
understanding the situation that Paul was in and yet how his world and his life and his views were driven by you and your kingdom and your gospel and the glory of Jesus and life surrendered to Jesus. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for the gift of this truth. And Lord, I want to pray that you would implant this right now in our hearts. I want to pray you'd implant this in our minds. Lord, I want to pray that you would make us uh, expectant for the growth that you want to bring in us during this time. Lord, that we'd be preparing ourselves, that we would be responsible and we'd be handling this with maturity as followers of Jesus, getting ready for the growth that you want to do in us. Lord, make us expectant, make us hopeful. And Lord, we, we give this to you, Jesus, we give this to you and we're asking for you to do this in us as we go forward. Lord, help us to trust you in these days. And we give this all to you, Lord, and we ask that it would be to the praise of your glory, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together. Thanks for listening to sermon audio from Landmark Christian Fellowship. We hope that this material served to help you grow in following the way of Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit lcflandmark.com.